Watching it at a bar with like where it's like the place where like everyone who went to ND in the city is, and it's just like no one's even like watching the game. Everyone's just like talking to themselves, like having a great time when we're losing the tournament. Oh, that's a lose. Where were yeah, you guys? Just, it was called the Ainsworth in the East Village. Like yeah, the whole I had back a bar- room. One of my friends from home was actually there. He was like, Have you ever- I didn't know you guys went, otherwise I would have said that. But he oh, was shit. like, Hey, have you ever been to the Ainsworth before? And I was like, yeah, I know. It's like I know, I've never been there, but I know it's a Notre Dame bar. I don't know. You, that's where you guys end up going. It did look packed. It was absolutely packed. Yeah. But yeah, not my favorite environment to watch a game. Now, I think you would have been better on the couch with Maddie and I. In my place, it was just the two of us for the game. Oh really? Yeah. Sean Shep, Shep was getting back from Italy, and Sean was in Colorado. So. All right. Weird. Weird take. Is this bad content for the pod? What? Like for us, just like to us, just like shoot the shit for a little bit. Yeah, like right. a nice cold open. Yeah. I, 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 I <laughs> and then go it, into man. it. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like going to, I don't live with Notre Dame people. So I was, they had a bunch of people over and I like was watching the game. Didn't think it'd be an issue because it was brick and Toledo, especially after that first drive. And like, there were people around. I had to kick people out because it, it was just a mess, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was a mess. I mean, the, the one thing I was pissed about, too, is they put every single TV on Notre Dame. I missed, like, Ohio State, Oregon. I hate, like, no, Ohio like State so watch. much. So I would have loved to watch them lose. Yeah. I will say, I loved having – I loved being able to set up three TVs on my computer. I was able to watch four games at once, and they're at least late, which was nice. Pretty good games. Too early. For, yeah. Like, early early Pitt, games were good. Pitt, Tennessee Pitt. was okay. Yep. Uh, but the Oregon, the Oregon Ohio State game was sorry, dude, you missed it. It was fun to watch, at least. It was. It was yeah. a good, very, very good time. I mean, I guess Ohio State, their defense might be worse than ours. Maybe their D line is trash, dude. Their D line is awful. Yeah. Really good. I wasn't like, impressed with their secondary either, though. Uh, no. I thought the second. I thought the secondary played worse in Week One, and the D line just like, failed it, to show up. It was. It's more so. At any level, football. If you give a quarterback six seconds, he should be able to find a receiver at some point. Yeah, but uh, and like the run game too, gaping holes, Slav. Mm-hmm. Gaping holes for uh, for for Oregon, and like Ohio State, he's just trying to put up five hundred yards. That's true. Yeah, I mean, with those receivers, like you can do whatever you want, but I'd say, you know. I'd say I don't know if that was the most surprising result of the week, but it's like up there. Like I did not think 
you know, I'm expecting the Ohio State of the last like two, three years where, you know, they're up there with Alabama and Clemson. And I don't think Oregon's that good either. No. It wasn't a function of Oregon necessarily being that good. It was like Ohio State's just kind of very mediocre this year. I, 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 don't, I don't think they're out of it. I think they'll be relevant at the end of the year. I think they'll figure it out. They're not as good as I thought they were by any means, and they're not going to contend with Alabama. But I, I think they'll still be in the playoff mix end of the season. We got to get through Iowa now. Dude, Iowa had like 150 yards. <laughs> I mean, it's the perfect like Iowa way of winning football games. Yeah, you know? I think Iowa, that, that will not hold. They've looked very good, but I don't think that holds. I mean, the Hawkeyes, it's like 158 yards. It almost makes sense. Like, it's, it's what they've always done. They've never been a high-powered offense. It's a grinded-out style. I, you will need the score if they want to beat Ohio State, but yeah. their defense is that good. You know, they can play with anyone. And then yeah, now I they're think, number five in the country. But I don't think they're the fifth-best team, but I guess resume-wise, they've earned it more than anyone else so far. Yeah, I have no problem with them being, being ranked number five at all, actually. I think it's probably pretty fair compared to what everybody else has done so far. Like you said, DM, I don't think they're going to hang on there. Um, I think things will change. But one of the things that the cover three guys talked a lot about too is like Iowa's, Iowa's defense looked really good. Um, offense not really able to put up points, and they get a lot of points off turnovers. They, you know, Iowa State turned mm. the ball over three times, uh, and that has something to do with it. Um, and they, they're like they're big. They totally buy into the uh, to the points points off turnovers thing, and why why a lot of that is luck related. Um, like great is not really consistent correlation with great teams and forcing turnovers. Um, so much like, you know, these things are more likely than not catching lightning in a bottle where we saw the same thing with Indiana last year, where they were, uh, they were, they were forcing a boatload of turnovers, winning football games and it worked, but like eventually that turnover luck doesn't, doesn't hold usually. So I'll be interested to see where Iowa goes the rest of the way. I hope they stay good. I think it's really good for the big 10. If, if Ohio State, you know, yeah, it, I think Ohio State's still going to win the, still win the conference. I think they just put it all together at the end of the day, and, and I think Brian Day's the best coach for sure. But, like, hey, if Wisconsin and Iowa and Penn State can all hang around, like, I think these are all really good things for the conference. And it makes for a marquee matchup, other marquee matchups that don't involve Ohio State, right? Like, it'll be really, it'll be a really good game with Penn State, you know, wins the next few when we get Iowa and, and Penn State together mm-hmm. together in a few weeks. So I think, I think it's really good for the Big Ten. It's really good for, the, for college football in general. Uh, I'm kind of tired of of Ohio State washing the floor with everybody else uh, in the Big Ten, so definitely, definitely good stuff. Big Big Ten SEC matchup this week with yeah, Penn State yeah. big one from Happy Valley. Yeah, the two Which, most, like, like, in, initially, Penn State's got to be a heavy favorite, right? I guess so, but I mean, anything's heavy, possible. But... Literally, anything's possible with Sean Clifford at quarterback. So, well, I was I was just about to say, like, this <laughs> huge is a really win, huge loss. This is a really intriguing matchup in that, like. Like I think it's two really really good football teams, but it becomes even I, I, like you go one or two ways for people. But like if you frame it as not Penn State versus Auburn, but you frame it as Sean Clifford versus Bo Nix, I think okay. that really puts a new spin on it. And you got to pick the lesser of two evils to win you a football game. I think Sean Clifford ultimately gets it done because he's at home, um, and Penn State's Penn State's defense has been been pretty good so far and they're a little more battle tested just haven't played the game against wisconsin but man that's that puts a when you frame it like that i think it becomes yeah uh, a little bit more interesting and not not in the fact that you're going to watch better football but just see who's going to make let less mistakes come game day is there 
Game day is there. Yeah. And game day is yeah. going to do four hours of production around a football game with Bo, Bo Nix and, and Sean Clifford as quarterback. So good, I'm good excited to him. see how creative they are. There's going to be some wild, wild content from Corso. Talk about something wild that happened last week that I think this was the most unexpected result coming in the week two was USC just getting their shit pushed Dude, in my by lock Stanford. My lock of the week. And then the kicker was all over. Minutes ago, 15 minutes yeah. ago? Yeah. Literally yeah, 15 minutes before gone. we started recording. Yeah. Yep. Gone. Well, Sleb texted, texted us this morning. He goes, is Clay Helton the coach that Notre Dame plays October 30th? And you, you, you were the nail in the coffin there, Slap. So I think you owe yeah. Mister and Mrs. Helton probably a, a bottle of wine and an apology letter. Well, you know what? I think is jobless. I think Mister Helton knows me a fair bit for what for his <laughs> lack of efforts this weekend. I'll, I'll I didn't. I didn't see any of that game. To be honest, I didn't see any of the the Stanford USD game. Neither did I. Checked in a little bit and was like, "All right, well, this is a fluke. USC will figure this out." I did not expect them to lose by twenty-one or whatever it was. They got they got smoked by D, by David Shaw coach Stanford team. Did Stanford score forty-two points last week or last year? I don't know. Like they had a shortened season. I think that was more points than they scored in all of twenty twenty. It's a very good question. Who's next? Who's next up for USC then? Do you, does Luke Fickle get a call? Luke Fickle, Luke Fickle get a gets a call. We, we we brought it up. It's like Urban Meyer's just kicking himself right now. Yeah, you're, taking, you're coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars, the worst team up. in the NFL. And you could be in South Central LA where it's probably top five, if not higher, like just in terms of the talent that's directly around you, the tradition, you'll get paid a ton of money. Like one of the top jobs in college football, like mm-hmm. you can turn them into a dynasty. They have that potential. We've seen it in the not too distant past, but Right now, they're just in the dumpster. And I'm yeah, not upset know, about it. Neither am I. I know. I know yeah, that they hired. Time. They hired the associate head coach for the uh, for the time being, and I don't think we see somebody new until no. until like the season's over. Like I think he just kind of he kind of handles it the, here on out, and then you kind of wait till you get your can till USC is going to wait till the winter to get their candidate. Ian, before I pass it back to you, Samson tweeted just a little while ago. Um, whoever, so it's the associate head coach. The associate head coach, his name is escaping me right now, will be the fifth head coach that Brian Kelly is going to coach yeah. against in his twelfth year. In his twelve years. So that's you know, as 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 stressful as last few weeks have been for everybody around the horn, like could be so much worse. So yeah, you know, yep. every, every yeah, you know, we'll get to it. But you know, everybody should air their grievances out. But let's take a deep breath and, and put things in perspective a little bit too, because. Uh, Notre Dame has dominated some some really important rivalries as of late. I hope I think they'll continue to do that. It is nice to be on the the, the right side of that because I feel as a Bears fan, we've had like five coaches and like twelve quarterbacks since Favre and Rogers, and like that's what USC is going through right now, and I love yeah. it. Like when I saw Helm <laughs> got fired, it's like I laughed first because I'm a bad person, and then I also was a little upset. That's not fair. for him, not for him, because, I mean, meritocracy-based, he should not have a job, but for us, selfishly, kind of sucks that he got fired, because you can. it's only going to be an upgrade. Yeah. He didn't recruit well. His in-game coaching was, like, was horrible. His player development was atrocious. I, I, I would say I, it's tough to pick the, the, the worst thing 
from the worst thing about Clay Hilton. Uh, honestly, he's a he's a good guy, right? Like say something nice about Clay Hilton. Like by all accounts, yeah. he was like a really really likable guy. But he did, but you're right, he didn't recruit well. I don't think that he developed anybody very well. It's why JT Daniels is playing for Georgia now and not probably playing for USC. So uh, I agree with everything everything you said there. Um, it's funny that we were talking about should we should we have a debate as to whether or not. Clay Helton was going to be coaching, and now our debate is who's going to be coaching there next. Talk about another program that uh, certainly took a step back this week. Uh, we just get the into Texas, uh, Bishop was the, Tex- the Texas Texas Longhorns, and yeah, we can go right into Bishop Sycamore, but we're we're horns down here. Um, yeah. They did me no favors this week. Uh, Hudson Card is no longer the starter there. They they're going to Casey Thompson uh, as of earlier today. Uh, yeah, I think. They kind of they kind of got ran up and down the field by a probably pretty well coached Sam Pittman Arkansas team. Uh, looked like a fun looked like a fun night in Fayetteville, that's for sure. So you know how every year you know Ian I know it was last year you had the Mormons. Mm-hmm. I think this year you know you pick one team you ride behind them, basically bet on them every game. I think since I picked the Arkansas Razorbacks in Week One as my lock of the week, they come back from probably I think twenty eight points behind the spread to cover. And now they dominate Texas. I think that's my team this year. I'm a yeah. big Sam Pittman fan. I mean, how many head coaches do you see across the country that come from a background as an O-line coach? I think that's pretty interesting. I think, Tom, you can get behind that. Yeah, totally. I'm trying to think if I've had any team that has stuck out to me this this year. Um, I will say, Donald, like the difference with the Mormons last year is I was going with the Mormons against, like, I don't even know. ECU or something. You're gonna you're gonna yeah. go with Arkansas against a pretty tough. They're in the West, right? Oh yeah, we just Godspeed, need covers. Godspeed. We just need covers. Just need them to cover. That was gonna be a, a tough team to ride behind. But I'm with you. That like Arkansas. The takeaway is like, not even Texas was bad. From a lot of people, like it was like Arkansas looked like really good. Yeah, they have some playmakers. The stadium was filled. They're ranked. Um, they, like Sam Pittman has turned that program around pretty darn fast. I think one thing, one thing before we hop into Bishop Sycamore Friday of the week, I want to, I wanted to ask you guys this because I kind of, I'm kind of having, having a, just a weird feeling. I, I feel like this has been a really weird start to college football season in like a so lot of ways. Weird. And I think, I think like, I think for the most part, our friends, like a lot of our friends do their research and, um, and are, you know, relatively, educated gamblers and, and, and sports fans and everybody just took every, it was a bloodbath last week. Um, yeah. And I just, I just like, I can't wrap my head around it. So on top of like just college football on the field looking weird, I feel like even, even from the book standpoint, like nobody's doing like that was just a weird week last week. And I think, mm-hmm. I think it's going to continue. And I think uh, we, that, that kind of helps us put things in perspective for ND is like, just keep winning football yeah, yeah. I, I have some grievances with with the way things went this week, but keep winning football games. And, you know, yep. that, that might that might just do it. So, all right, uh, if, does everyone want to nominate somebody for Bishop Sycamore for the week? And we'll actually post it this week. Uh, yeah, we do that last week. All right, Ian, your your segment. You can go first. Oh man, well, unless so you don't want to, we can, pass it. It, we can pass it to D. But I can't go Clay Helton, right? No, you can totally go Clay Helton. If you don't go Clay Helton, I'm going to Clay Helton. But Clay Helton is like Ben, my fraud of the week. You're fraud, he's your, like, he's your fraud, I, of, fraud of the yeah, year. Yeah. He's my fraud of the year. Um, I'm going to go to D. Come back to me. Come back to me, and I'll, I'll come somebody else other than Clay Helton. D, who do you want? 
Yeah, I'm going back. This is just the team that I ever since the 2019 bowl game, and even when it starts when Pete Sampson picked them to beat us, it's Iowa State. Um, nice start to the season, bozos. You beat Northern Iowa by six, and then just get <laughs> turned inside out by your in-state rivals. <laughs> Rock Purdy is not an All-American quarterback. Charlie Kohler, not the best tight end in the country. That guy's in South Bend. Well, they have a bunch of guys on defense that are on All-American lists. That team was not full of All-Americans that we watched on Saturday. Plain and simple. They're frauds. They just benefited from a weak Big 12 and a couple lucky wins in close games against Oklahoma. And basically everyone else in the conference has been down. There weren't good teams the last few years, like a strong Baylor, a strong TCU, like we had seen in prior years. So they kind of just beat those like very mid-level Power 5 teams. And everyone thought they were a top-10 team. They're not. They're frauds. Uh, yeah, the, I think I think you hit, hit the nail on the head there, Ian. You want to go, or you want me to go? Yeah, I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna go with a little bit of a weird one, considering that they won. I'm gonna go to Ann Arbor and point it at the Michigan offensive unit. Um, hmm. I know they beat Washington, a team that just lost to Montana, and they were running it all over them. Um, but they had like. 53 passing yards or something like that? Oof. 50, 58? Like, they had less than 100 passing yards an entire game, and that's not going to get it done. They got a pretty solid defense, and, yeah, they got an okay run game. Um, but I'm going to go with overall – I'm going to go with Jim Harbaugh, QB developer. That's my fraud of the week. Jim Harbaugh being labeled as some sort of QB guy because he coached Andrew Luck, luckily, at Stanford. Like, no QB has ever performed under Jim Harbaugh – and again, with Cade McNamara coming in this season with a lot of hype, he threw for 53 yards at home against the number two team. So that Jim Harbaugh's QB developer is my friend of the week. And and to your point, Ian, that Washington team uh, Not good. is is bad, like 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 very bad. Uh, poor, pretty poorly coached. Um, they can't get they can't get anything going. Nope. Um, my speaking of poorly coached, uh, my Bishop Sycamore friend of the week will be the Ohio State defense. Um, like you, like we mentioned earlier, like see, I don't think CJ Stroud had a great game, uh, but he still threw for five. You know, they still have five hundred yards. Um, they couldn't stop anything against the short-handed Oregon. Um, I like I said, I thought game two the defensive line failed to show up, and you got five stars like Haskell Garrett, and you, like you just can't do anything with it. Um, and then you know, in the back end, like I was pretty underwhelmed with what they did in the back end against Minnesota in week one. Like that, I didn't think their back seven played all that well. Uh, I think they struggle. I think their linebacker is a little weaker than people thought. You know, like I love Tommy Eichenberg because he's, you know, he's he's Liam Eichenberg's brother, but like he kind of didn't really. I didn't really hear his name called in the broadcast uh, on on Saturday afternoon. Uh, so the the for for what should be a really really good top five top three team through defense not to really be showing up in a big spot at home uh, is 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 pretty disappointing. I think they got some things to figure out on the defensive side of ball, defensive side of the ball uh, in Columbus for sure. All right. So shall we move so, on? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll post that on, on the gram this week and we'll have the people yeah. vote on there. Bishop Sycamore part of the week, but uh, we were kind of nice not to say any of the Irish. Yeah, there's plenty, yeah. plenty of blame to go around there. I, I won't, I don't know if anyone's, fraud ready to label anyone on the irish fraud quite yet because i think it's all fixable i don't think it's a talent issue all right let, let's start with 
the first minute of turning the game on, on the cock, Peacock, NBC streaming service, just overall kind of a disaster. I wow. think you're on a delay. You're, if you check your phone, you're screwed because you already know what play is happening. Um, I, I, I would give Peacock a two out of ten. Never again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I texted I texted Ian Ian and and the kicker, uh, and I was like, yeah, I, I was watching the game from home in Boston, streaming it on Peacock, and I was telling them, like ESPN, the Action Network, Kevin Falkenberg who was at the game, and Pete Sampson who's tweeting from the press box. We're all beating the Peacock stream that I was watching, um, which is pretty bad. Like, I think it's it's it sh- they should be embarrassed that they made people pay for that. Um, it didn't really go well. And they didn't – another thing, like and, – and Samson and Fortuna kind of talked about this on, on the Shamrock, that, like, when you put something behind a paywall that you should have to subscribe to, like, there should be an added bonus. Um, mm-hmm. So the product should be just as good, and then there should be an added bonus. The product was, A, not as good, and then the added, added bonus was – the pregame show that you got with Jack Collinsworth uh, and, and Corey Robinson, which in all honesty, I was pretty underwhelmed with. Like, again, I had a few screens going, so I didn't really, you know, so I was able to watch it probably more so than anybody else, but like, it really wasn't good. Father Jenkins was trying to give a, just trying to give a speech um, and, and trying to give a speech, you know, with, in relation to 9-11 and, and they had the band on the field and they were, and they were raising, the, they were raising the flag in the, in the North and South end zone. And it, it was like a lot going on. It was really well, like not really well put together, Mm-mm. pretty poor production. I was, I was really disappointed and I hope that never has to happen again until they get that fixed. Like, I think the idea of having a streaming service for Notre Dame and Notre Dame having its own streaming service would be great for like midweek stuff. Like if you get a, if you get practice updates or if that's where Kelly's pressers were during the week, like, mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. But to have it, to try to do a live football game on really stinks. Uh, it really Really made watching watching a a underwhelming performance a lot less enjoyable than it needed to be. Yeah, it was a nightmare day for Peacock because they also you guys kind of hit it on the head. But by the way, they missed. We were in a commercial break on the stream when yeah. um, Jack Cohn got strip sacked. So yeah. like already like hate. I just get worked up when I'm watching a football game and it's a six minute commercial break. And then when it just flashes back to my quarterback getting hit from the blind side and fumbling the ball, I was not happy. Um, and then earlier in the day, they also cover all the premier league games over in England and none of those worked. So it was just a, yeah, it was a nightmare day for Peacock. So yeah. I, think, I hope they learned their lesson. Hope NBC learned their lesson. We're yeah. in a EPL apartment in the morning too, sometimes on Saturdays. And usually that's not, that bad. No, it usually it usually works, but like the streaming site, like the one that wasn't on NBC Sports, yeah, um, cable, none of those games would work. Single the Arsenal game, so not not good day. Um, Set the tone for a pretty rough, rough afternoon. Yeah, I mean, hand up. I was a bad watcher this game on both the strip sack and the pick six. I was in line to use the restroom, Um, (laughs) and I told myself I had to just hold my pee the rest of the game. So it was a long game. I, I, I had to make a, a few corrections there. I was able to go at halftime, but mm-hmm. bad news, bad news. All right. So first drive of the game, I was like, all right, we're rolling. That was awesome. We're giving the ball to the best player on our offense. And then after that, kind of everything fell apart. Didn't fall yep. apart, I guess, but, you know, we just never, you know, the foot came off the gas. We're giving it to our best player on offense. 
scored a touchdown with him pretty quickly, and then he went ghost mode, whether it was his fault or adjustments by Toledo or just a Cone or Reese decision to go to other other weapons. But I don't know why we didn't at least force it to Mayer more so, like through the second and third quarter until the last drive of the game. Yeah, I, I try to – I think – I struggled definitely off the bat with this, but, I'm, you know, 24-hour rule, 48-hour rule here where I'm a little bit further removed from the game. Uh, I, struggled, I was struggling to find some some reasons for optimism. I think the number one reason for optimism that I've been able to find so far through the first two games has been the first drive of each game. And Notre Dame has showed what this offense can be. They punched Florida State in the mouth. They punched Toledo in the mouth, going right down the field in four or five plays uh, and getting in the end zone with the best tight end in the country. Like, that can happen, not on every drive, but on well over 50% of the drives, right? Like, I don't think – there's no reason that that, like, that can't continue. And I'm, I'm all for mixing in other weapons because you have them. Like, you should you should find – you should find ways to get the ball to Lindsey and you should find ways to get the ball to Kevin Austin and you should use David Tyree and, and excuse me, Chris. Chris Tyree. I keep hearing that Chris Tyree and, um, and Kyron Williams, but you got to find the, got to do a little bit better with the chemistry of it and, and finding the balance between not, you can't just abandon mayor for, for the rest of the game until you need him in, in, on the last drive to win the football game. Like that's just, mm-hmm. that's just not great. So, um, definitely something to kind of I'd like to see Tommy Reese improve on that it's just keeping the offense a little bit more balanced rather than just rather than just going and maybe focusing on one player per drive because that's kind of what it seems like sometimes balance is not a word I would use to describe our offensive performance not at all I mean all over the place personnel wise in the obvious ways um and play calling wise not balanced I agree I mean I think Samson tweeted this out today. It was our yards per carry with Jack Cohn in the game versus Tyler Buckner. I think with Buckner in the game, it was around nine. And mm-hmm. with Cohn in the game, it was around 2.3. I, I mean, quite honestly, it's just like unacceptable to have 2.3 yards. I mean, we've recruited the O-line well. I know they're young. I know this group hasn't had that much time to mesh together. But at the same time, you know, you have Kyron Williams, who's an All-American type talent in the backfield. You have Chris Tyree, who's pretty damn close to Kyron Williams and you're still running the ball for 2.3 yards of carry behind a bunch of four stars on the offensive line or five stars gone. But like, I don't know if they could scheme it better, which I guess in the way they did by bringing in Buckner, because I, I think there was one we were backed up close to our own end zone. It was like set up like a zone read, but yes. Jack Cohen, I mean, there was no threat of him no, keeping it keep and going it. past the defense. Never keep it. Defensive end did not look at Cohen and just took straight line for Kyron for a two-yard loss. Then you put in Tyler Buckner in his first play as a Notre Dame quarterback's 25 yards on a read option keeper. So, I don't know. What do you guys think about the two-quarterback system now? Because I I think it's here to stay. I think it has to be just to give our offense a little more versatility. Yeah, I mean, the issue is, like, as soon as Buckner comes in, like, defense knowing exactly – what to expect, but like the point with the read option is if it's executed properly by the offense, it should still work. Even if the defense knows you just make the read and then, and then execute from there. Cohen, Cohen is still got to be our starter, I think. And I think that the struggles on offense were not his fault. I put on the O-line. Um, Cause I think he's, he's a good, th- he's a good passer. Like he, he's a good throw of the ball. 
I don't know how I feel about the two offensive system. Like, because Buckner, yeah, he had the pass to Chris Tyree, but that was, again, that was like an eight-yard, like, dump pass. Um, we didn't really see him make a throw other than that. So it's not like the defense is going to guess when he comes in. Yeah, I, I'm, of, I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion that like, Cohen's got to be the starter and he's got to be your guy. Um, I don't have an issue with Buckner getting snaps or, or getting like a driver here, drive here or there, because obviously he, pro- he proves he adds another element to this offense that's, that's needed to keep the defense off balance. Right. Um, but I, I, I just don't, I'm not, I'm not really a fan of, of, the, of the two quarterback system overall. And I know that Buckner played a better, probably a better overall game than Cone did, but like, I didn't want anybody else playing quarterback to last drive than Jack Cone. Like, I didn't really want Buckner in there. I didn't. I don't trust Drew Fine as far as I can throw him. Like, I want Cone leading that last drive. Um, so I, I, I'm of the opinion that I think I think Cone's your guy. I think he gives you the best chance to win overall. But with that said, like, you can't just completely ignore what Buckner did either. Like, Buckner, Buckner changed the game in in a big way. Um, so I think you're going to have to. It's going to kind of force you to to adopt some some form of a, of a two quarterback system and, and, and allow Buckner to get some snaps and some drives. The only hesitation, my, my big hesitation with that is it's tough to let Cone get in a groove like that. It's tough to let him get in a rhythm. Um, it's tough when, you know, you, you're out there every, you know, for two out of every three drives or three out of every four drives, but um, you know, hopefully these guys can get creative. These um, guys can get creative and find a good, find a good way of doing it to make sure everybody's comfortable and, and, and gives Notre Dame the best chance to win the football game. And I, I, I agree with some points there. Like, I agree the last drive, you need to push the ball vertically downfield. That has to be Jack Cohen. He has taken probably many more reps with the first-string offense. You know, he's a much more experienced passer of the ball, has read 10,000 more coverages than Tyler Buckner, who we forget played to, like, one year of varsity high school football before coming yeah. to the other game. Like, he, he just doesn't even have, like, even the high school reps that a normal true freshman would have. And... You know, going from there, I, I one thing we did do with Buckner though is to kind of keep the defense off balance. You know, it's not just read options; it's the whole RPO when you're adding in the pass. And there's one I think it was Avery Davis or Kyron in the flat that he hit, and you know it was the read option with the run. You're reading a linebacker or safety, see where they go. Lindsey took off on a streak downfield to pull someone with him. And, you know, the RPO game is something that we kind of did with the book, probably not as much as I would have liked. But it's something that we can definitely keep in the playbook with Buckner so he's not just running the ball every play. If he's getting those reps, I think, you know, the modern offenses, that's you were looking two, three years down the line when he's got the keys to the car. Like if he's running those and he's been getting those reps since his freshman year, I think it's gonna put us in a really good spot. It what what I will say about it, and I think I text you guys like the playbooks are entirely different when those two come out, which mm-hmm. not only is difficult on Tommy Reese. But it's difficult on the O line when you when your schemes change every single time somebody else is under center or, or in the shotgun. Like that, it's tough to implement a system when you just have two entirely different offenses, and like yeah. it's just not easy to do. It's a it's it's hard to do. So it, it's more complicated than just like oh run game with Buckner and, and pass game with Cohen, which I think is probably the biggest setback. Is like we this O line can't even execute with one playbook let alone two. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of of the opinion here that like you need, you got to figure out what your identity is going to be. And Notre Dame certainly has not figured that out yet. uh, Mostly because 
with Cone in the game, they haven't been able to establish the run, which is the major, major piece they're missing to having Cone at the quarterback. Uh, but then again, I'm not sure that you're going to have the same deep ball threat that you, that you have. You probably gain something back in the run game, but you give something away in kind of uh, a down down the field threat in, in Buckner. I'll say this: that I don't en- I don't envy Tommy Reese and, and Brian Kelly this week as far as figuring out what's kind of the best best path forward. Like Ian said, I don't think I think if you I think if you're confident in one way or another, I think you're kind of lying. Like it's it's yeah. it, this is real this is really really complicated. Um, and I don't I don't have a good answer right now. Um, I do want to say now you know, for the next thing we go to is the offensive line. Like they're they're a big piece of this equation. When Ian said made a really good point, like they're struggling with one playbook. So to have to think about learning two schemes, two schemes and two systems is, is very difficult. Um, I think what's, what should, what would be best for the offensive line, especially because they're pretty young uh, and they've struggled a lot. This is like, just like basic football stuff as far as what you do to help a struggling offensive line. Uh, we got to keep, got to keep running backs in to help protect may have to keep a tight end in to protect maybe not so much mayor, but Takis like Takis may have to be on the field to help protect and give you a six man protection up front. Uh, and we got to move the pocket a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that cone's got to, got to have like a naked, let naked bootleg out. And he's got to run 20 yards, to the other hash to throw the football. It just means if we can focus instead of having a man up up front, we can kind of even everybody take a zone and, and, and shift a few feet to the right or a few yards to the right or left, like that, that also tends to help uh, offensive lines immensely, especially in pass, pass protection. So as bad as these guys have been, and I, like, I was pretty, dis- like, I don't think Tosh Baker had a very, very good football game. Uh, Cade Madden has struggled through, through the first two, first two games. He really, like Cade Madden especially needs to pick it up, but yeah. there are, there are ways that we can kind of scheme help for the offensive line and, and they should be implemented sooner rather than later. And we did do, we do do a little bit of it as far as keeping running backs in, but we, we just may need to do more. Um, otherwise, you know, cause we can't stall the way we did for, for a while during the game there. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you guys, like looking back on it, Tommy Reese's play car, like definitely growing himself some confidence as a play caller, like, what do you think of the Phil special on the on the two point conversion? The oh, two point I mean, conversion like, you need to get. Yeah, I mean, I almost had a heart attack. Like, yeah, that when, did not when that you, did not go off. When, when Cohen was not open, I was like, no, I'm like he's screwed. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, he's screwed. Great play. Um, by luckily, Abe Davis is is used to be a quarterback and is a great athlete. But like that that like for for people who don't know Philly special is like that play is supposed to go back to Cone, like Philadelphia yeah. ran against the Patriots in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. They read it perfectly, and then Avery Davis just made a play, and we got lucky. On a, on a two-point conversion, we really needed. Like, I kind of hated that call, but overall, like, it's kind of fun to see Tamarice open it up. Yeah. I, I have I, been impressed with the play calling. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I would say that I'm, I'm all for the gadget play. Like, I think using a trick play there to get – to make sure you get a score – is is like is a good thing to do. I'm not saying it's like the absolute definitive right thing, but I have no problem with using the gadget play. Um, we used to do that all the time in high school. If we needed two points, like let's let's dial some, especially because we were like a bit of a smaller, weaker team, and if things weren't going well, like let's just get let's use something. Let's go in the bag of tricks, pull something out, and get our two points, and and, and get back on defense. Um, I just I don't love the idea of running the Philly special. 
Uh, I think yeah. it, the, the plays, I think that play for the most part can be retired from the trick playbook because everybody really knows it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as a few, you know, few steps off the line, like everybody in the stadium knows it's happening. So I don't have a problem with running a gadget play. I think it was a really smart call by Tom Reese. I love him getting creative. You just need a different trick play to run down there. And Brian Kelly said that today's presser that they have a few uh, that they're working on. I just wouldn't run the Philly special again on the goal line. It, was, it, well, it went really poorly, and Davis and Davis made a made a freak play. Last year, we would not have run that play for multiple reasons. No First of all, Tommy would not have wanted to do that. And second of all, we would have been like, oh, it's Toledo. Let's just run it up the gut because we can because we got the dudes to do it. We, that, that that was also a sign that, like, there was no no, no optimism in our – or no confidence in our O-line opening up any type of gap. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Which is, which is a problem overall. Yeah, just sorry, D. Yeah. It's a problem overall. Like, we – which is kind of why we – on third and short and fourth and short – why we decide to throw the ball 30 yards down the field instead of just picking up the two or three like we used to last year. And also, like, major problem here, the offensive line, like, we, like I can talk about all the stuff I just mentioned with keeping running backs in and keeping keeping tight ends in and moving the pocket and stuff. But, like, damn, like, Notre Dame had the ball fourth and one and, or like, relatively early in the game and, and got stuffed on fourth yeah. and one. Could not pick up a yard against a Mac, a Mac D line. That was still without its yeah. best player at that point. Like yeah. that is alarming. We need to be able to get a push for at least a yard against the Mac offensive line, or excuse me, the Mac defensive line. So as much as you know, we can help scheme them. They got to help themselves too, and and be the be the Division One football players that, that they're supposed to be. Um, so yeah, need, need need definitely need more from the offensive line here. I agree. I mean, plenty of problems on offense. Unfortunately, that's not really where it stops. Defense, uh, we have now eclipsed Clark Lee's total of 60-plus yard plays given up with two more in this game. I mean, I I saw another tweet from Sam today. It said Notre Dame had eight consecutive drives where Toledo averaged 1.8 yards per play. It's just they just blow us up on big plays the big play. and it seems to happen in the fourth quarters now too. I guess the big plays were in the first half against Florida state, but our defense, when we need to stop in the fourth quarter to ice the game, they run the clock out or try to do that. We just have not been able to do that the last two weeks. KJ Wallace. That was so bad. Oof. That was that so was, bad. We, dude, we, we all, all three of us freaked out. Oof, like yeah. I, I, I thought, I thought it was Watts. I thought it was Watts. I yeah, actually like thought it was watch playing the first rover time. Playing. Yeah. That was that was bad, dude. Bad. So I mean, this guy was clear like for 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 like a, two seconds was going upfield and KJ's still following him like he's running a flat route and then he turns and the guy's six yards past him. Like I just didn't understand yeah. that at all. Like that that's just being a football player and just following your man. Like I didn't get that. Yeah. That was that was such a brain fart. Um and then who who is this Henderson guy that came in for a couple plays? Ramon He's Henderson. A, Ramon yeah. Henderson. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm unfamiliar with his body of work. Yeah, he's a redshirt freshman, but yeah, I mean, he's getting reps. One thing I will say is, you know, KJ Wallace, I guess, is a safety type. That's two straight weeks of safety. He's just getting dusted by receivers. Not good. One positive here is we haven't heard Clarence Lewis and Cam Hart's name a whole lot this year. Not a ton. And honestly, Cam Hart had a pretty good game tackling. Too. I'm a Cam Hart. He's physical. He's they physical. Seven tackles. 
He's physical. I'm a Cam, I'm a Cam Hart fan for sure. I think he's been outside of Kyle Hamilton, which is your obvious bright spot. Like I think Cam Hart's probably been the best part of the secondary. How so do you overturn that interception too from Kyle? Oh, I thought that was that was definitely I I lost But that was great play. That was great. Play. The, Houston Griffith the, has not been good. No, Griffith has no. not been good either. Do you get back to the point you just made about like, getting stops late? Um, I, I do want to make this point here that. Uh, Notre Dame, Toledo lost this game. I don't think Notre Dame won the game. Despite, like, Jack Cohn having a game-winning drive there, right? Like, there's two things that, that, that stick out in my mind. The first one is if Daquan Finn, who's the second-string quarterback for Toledo, if he just goes down inside the 10 instead of taking that ball into the end zone, they run the clock out and they kick a game-winning field goal and Notre Dame loses mm-hmm. by one. So, was there's, the there's number one. Two, Toledo – Toledo took eight penalties in the fourth quarter, including three on the final drive, on the on the on that Jack Cohn drive to, to win the game. So, it, to say that Notre Dame kind of earned this victory, I think would be false. Um, I think this one kind of got gift wrapped to them uh, by Toledo. So, Dave, that's the, the the original point you're making is like struggling to get fourth down stops is, or excuse me, fourth quarter stops, like. Getting beat, getting cooked that bad on on third and one by the backup quarterback is really, really yeah. alarming. Because if the kid has the presence of mind to just go down, the game's probably over. Mm-hmm. Well, same with yeah. Kyron though. If Kyron just goes down, holds on to the football, that's also like, true. I mean, we, we, gift, we we gifted it to them before they gifted it to us. So yeah, yeah, definitely missing that ability to just kind of salt down the clock uh, late in yeah. games so far. Oh. I texted you both about this. I was so worked up over that Brian Kelly smug ass pumping up the crowd. Wow, yeah, dude, you are Toledo. Losing, I hated that. You are losing hated to that. Toledo, dude. Don't. Ugh. I was so worried. Like, what are you doing? You acted. Mm. Like, why you fire Brian Kelly? Might have had a flashback to his days at like Central Michigan or wherever the hell he was. Like, yeah. Early 2000s. <laughs> Did you forget where he was for a second? Yeah, probably not his first big game against Toledo. Um, I do want one more positive is our, I, I think our pass rush is pretty solid. There's still a couple times where, you know, we were there, we need to finish, but Foskey had another sack. Myron had to, you know, we're getting pushed there. You know, it's just a matter of finishing that. That's probably the part of the defense I'm worried least about right now. And then we're adding Patello back this week. Allegedly. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a fan of the front front three or four depending on what the formation is, but the, I'm, I'm a fan of the defensive line. I think actually like of, of everywhere on this team, I think that's kind of one of the spots, if not the spot I'm most comfortable with right now. Um, you just got some senior, some senior leadership there who just like, who knows the drill and, and knows what needs to happen and Kurt Heinish and Myron. Um, and then you also get some really, some really good, exciting guys. Uh, also the Adam Alola twins, some credit to like, I think it was yeah. Jason who Jason who threw up his arm and knocked out a pass on the goal line or in, on the goal to go situation early in the game. Um, so those guys are older now too. Like they deserve a little credit. And then you got you know guys like Foskey who had a really good game and and Patello's coming back. Um, but, you know I think these are all really really good things to to, to have a positive. I, I agree. And also like another thing to put this game in perspective. I don't know if however may heard people heard this, but I think it's like it's worth bringing up is Myron Myron makes the game ceiling play. Uh, Sings, finishes the game, sings the alma mater, goes into the locker room, and goes and picks up a FaceTime to into his father's funeral. You know, like, yeah. there's, I don't mean to make things sad, but like, 
you know, again, be happy you won a football game um, because there's there's a lot of other stuff going on too, um, from a college football standpoint, from just like a life standpoint. So cheers, cheers to uh, cheers to Myron for playing his ass off on Saturday, um, and with going, with all that going on too, uh, he's he's a dog, and and ninety five's got a special place in Notre Dame's heart for for a while, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And linebackers JD Bertrand game ball. I mean, he just play, he's almost like he almost just looks like a better version of Drew White out there. Now is that is that kind of what we want to be seeing? No, because he's still not the fastest guy sideline to sideline. But you know, Tom, you were bringing this up. Dude's a film rat. It's pretty apparent at this point. He's got a nose for the football. Second straight game, eleven tackles. You know, he, I, I think he's a really solid player. I, I just want to see probably a little more athleticism at the linebacker position. I think that, especially against the better teams on our schedule, that'll go a long way, especially given the depth there right now, which isn't very good. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'd like to. I, I'd like to see what's going to happen when we get Collie back in the mix. I think he he didn't make. I don't think he made it too deep this week. Um, he might still be de- dealing with potentially COVID, COVID, right? Is that what I, think, I think it's COVID. Yeah, he's out. Yeah, so I I think when you add him, we'll get we'll get better going sideline to sideline, which is where we need to get better. But with that said, I thought Bertrand played a really good game. He plays really physical. Like you said, he's got a nose for the ball. He's, he seems like he's in on every play. Um, so, yeah, I, I think – Claude Elliott said this day, I got through the podcast too, like he's, his note for Notre Dame right now is like he doesn't have anything bad to say about Notre Dame. He's just like get healthy. Um, and getting healthy would go a long way in helping this team do some of the things he wants to do, especially the linebacker position. Now, we're not going to get all the way healthy because you're not getting uh, – you're not getting Maris back. Um and who else better? You're not getting Maris back, and you're not getting Palmwala. Palmwala back, but like, yeah. get Collie, get Collie healthy. Where he, you know, yeah, you know, get him off the COVID list. Get him in, get him in the game, and like, I think, I think that helps that position a lot as far as getting sideline to sideline, especially in specific downs in, in certain situations in the game. Could be worse. Could be Purdue's running back. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, also, before we before we bump down to Purdue. Um, two things I want to mention. Were you guys? I, I guess I, I saw it coming earlier in the week because I saw some. I saw some maps about ticket availability, but the final attendance was sixty-two oh, nine hundred. Yeah. It looked it looked pretty empty. I mean, like I, the, it got loud and the energy was there, but it, I had never seen a, a flyover shot like that right before kickoff. It's it looked so like la- it looked like last year a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I was I was a little what. I was pretty disappointed. I think that changes with, with the games coming up on October for sure. Uh, and it changes mm-hmm. this week because you got an in-state rival in Purdue. But, like, man, why – yes, COVID's still a thing. But, like, why? Why do we not – dude, like, I'm looking at happy – I'm looking at all, all these other environments that we saw around the country, right? Like, And there's obviously some bigger games. But, like, Michigan filled the big house, right? Like, it, Wisconsin filled Camp Randall. Like, it, it's – it was underwhelming – to say, I think I was a little underwhelmed given it was the first time people were allowed in Notre Dame Stadium since our senior day. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. that was that was, that was tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing I want to mention too is just with the injuries. Um, joking, not joking. How quickly do we see, or how how soon do we see Colin Guts run the two deep? <laughs> I want to see him just like on like one kick return or kickoff. So well, I think we'll try get. to blast someone. Oh, the yeah. month of November, we'll get it. We're going to get Collins in the month yeah. of November. But, dude, like, I mean, technically, linebacker spot, like, he, yeah, there's not, not that many more scholarship guys that are healthy. So, 
let's get guts on the two deep. Maybe maybe that's our hashtag for this week. Yeah. This is like when the the women's basketball team had like their entire starting starting lineup go down with ACLs. Yeah. Uh, open yeah. open tryouts on campus. Took some people from the volleyball team. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what team football team pull from, but called the cross. I guess. Do you still have eligibility? Oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably four years of it. Yeah. Four years. <laughs> I could get in on there and just run in the people for a bit. You're definitely right. younger than some people in college football. There's some dudes with like Dude, in Toledo like started eight. a seventh. They started a seventh year center. Toledo. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. That was, <laughs> like, that was something. He's a get year it, older like, than we are. Get your CPA, bro. Like, just move on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree there. Like doctorate. All right. So moving on, the Purdue Boilermakers. Um, you know, when we were previewing the schedule at the start of the year, we didn't think this would be a seven-point spread, or probably even a fourteen-point spread. Probably we'd probably put it around that twenty-one number. Um, but now it's a game that I'm legitimately worried about because I think they still somehow might be the best team we've played so far. But, I mean, they have an NFL wide receiver in David Bell, a top 10, 15 pick, and I've seen some places maybe closer to the end of the first round, DN and George Karlaftis, which going against our offensive line, that's not good. And other than that, just not a – whole lot of skill talent obviously thank god rondell moore's gone but i mean this is a team you know i couldn't really name anyone on toledo and they almost beat us so i don't know i'm worried i think toledo is better than we're giving them credit for in certain areas and i'm i'm more just hoping that we answer like we heard the wake-up call like and i hope they're like all right great you're notre dame you almost lost to toledo you should have lost to toledo wake the heck up yeah yeah I, I would agree. I, I think until proven otherwise, I'm going to kind of be doubtful on on what this team's going to bring every Saturday. Uh, Ian, I hope you're right. This is a bit of a wake-up call. Um, but also, like, you need – like, in the in the worst way possible, you need the, the offensive line to respond a little, like, much more than they, they did against Toledo. Uh, bottom line is, like, Car- Carmody has an ankle sprain, right? So they said he might be available for Saturday. He might not be. He said he felt good yesterday. Uh, we'd love to, you know, I'd love to see him out there. I think he's uh, much better than Josh Baker. But the bottom line is, what's his name, D? Christophic? Christophic? George Carlaftis. Yeah. Carlaftis. I'm sorry. So Carlaftis. Bottom line is, they're going to take Carlaftis and they're going to put him right over Tosh Baker for 50, 45, 50 snaps. Uh, Tosh Baker's just gonna have to kind of man up here and 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 win and win win a one on one, uh, win a one on one to give to give Notre Dame kind of a kind of a chance here to, to do what they want to do offensively. Uh, need need a response here for from the offensive line for sure. I agree. I I think that's the number one thing I'm looking for this week. It's not necessary. Like I'm not that worried about Tommy Reese's play calling because if the offensive line could just block, like I think we're fine. We have tons of skill talent it's going to come down to can we block and if we decide we can't block george carlaps just one thing we could do is put him in that kind of like flex spot in the, in the rpo game where you're reading yeah. him and you don't have to block him like, yeah you know, maybe uh, you could cause some havoc there but you know maybe you just decide you can't block him which is a sad thing to even consider at this point but who knows 
I'm completely switching topics here, just pepping in. I cannot believe none of us mentioned Friday of the week. Our week one opponent lost to an FCS team on one uh, of the yeah. worst plays. One of the worst plays I've seen in a long time. Um, so that was a little bit of a scare as well that, okay, maybe we are not good in general, which makes yeah. this Toledo, this, this Purdue game a big one, one that we should battle in, which, you know, exciting game. But, like, weren't we talking about it earlier in the year, Slev, that, like, their defense, like, their, the backside of their defense is going to be switch, switch cheese. Yeah, yeah, like, that's what it Three seconds, three and a half seconds. I guess that's a little bit of a lot. But, like, if you give him a five-step drop in a clean pocket, he should be able to find an open man. Definitely. Um, and to kind of to the point you just made there, Brad, we, we did skip over it. Like, Florida State lost to Jacksonville State, right? Uh, and we just beat Toledo. I think like part part of what's been helpful for at least me, and I think a lot of Notre Dame people, is that you've been able to rationalize it by saying the teams that we played were good, and like Florida State looked good against us, um, and that Toledo's going to win, like going to win the MAC. Uh, but when it happens two weeks in a row, it's like no longer a coincidence. Like you really mm-hmm. need to stop using the rationalization that oh maybe this team's better than we thought they were. Uh, you know, some that eventually it's going to come from within and be like, hey, like, we're not playing up to what we need to be. But to your other point there, like, yes, their, their secondary should not be as good as their their front four. Um, give Cohen a few seconds to operate, and I think we should be able to move the ball down the field a little bit. And I'm not even, you know, I, I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to keeping it short until we can take the top off. Like, let's do a little bit what, what Ian Book did, where we just keep it short to intermediate routes. Um like guys, keep it simple. Like, let guys cross the field. Like, they, if they think they want to play man, let's let's have some guys cross. If not, let's keep. Let's if they want to play zone, let's spread let's spread the field out and let's let guys sit in some softer spots in the zones. Um, but I don't. I don't look. I don't think you need to do anything crazy creative here. Like, you just just find open guys, uh, which which shouldn't be that difficult against against this back seven. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I also one thing I also want to jump to. Uh, this is kind of monumental, uh, I would say. I guess I guess it's a different day and age, and the wins are wins may be valued a little differently. But Ryan Kelly's one went away from tying Frank Leahy for the school record in wins. Uh, I think that's very noteworthy, despite oh. the bad taste we have in our mouth through the first two weeks. That's that's definitely something pretty pretty noteworthy because. Frankly, he is a statue outside. I'm not ready to give Kelly a statue yet. No, no, but, no, no, no. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that either. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, in, in today's, I, I think it's more impressive that you know you look at you know back in the day, you know you have coaches stuck at their schools for a lot longer. In Notre Dame, kind of the same way as well, it was kind of more so ten years. But now, if you have, you know, a mediocre year followed by a bad year, you're gone, or kind of the other way around. Like you can't string together two of those years. And I guess Brian Kelly had a little more slack at the start of his tenure, given you know where we were for know, ten plus years before that. But still, I mean, the turnaround he's made has been incredible. And you know, these are the types of. I mean, quite honestly, the first two games of this season have kind of almost reminded me of kind of the down years, but, you know, we still haven't lost any of these bad teams. You know, Brian Kelly did lose to Tulsa. He's not doing that anymore. So. Yep. We won. We won. I've yep. been like, I've, I've been so much 
on the board of like, oh, we don't lose those crap games anymore. So my my ass is kind of on the line through that fourth quarter because yeah, that's yeah. kind of been my my tune. Yep. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I'm pretty pumped. I think Kelly I think Kelly gets it this weekend for sure. Uh, but uh, I think to to join the next tier to to join the next echelon of of Notre Dame coaches that that are populated by Leahy and, and Holtz and those names. We all know you need a national championship. So until he gets that, I don't think it matters how many wins he has um, as impressive as that is. He's going to need, he's going to need a national championship. And that's, and that's the bottom line. So, you know, I hope he gets it. Um, it'd be really fun to see what, what, you know, what they do with the, with the oversized Irishman uh, and where they put his statue. But uh, we definitely need a little bit more before he gets there, but honestly still really impressive. Um, like I mentioned this to you guys at the top of the show, uh, the thing about, you know, the five coaches at USC and only having one at Notre Dame at that time, like that's, you know, we should be thankful for that for sure. Yeah. Yep. All right. Anything else we want to hit on Purdue? I mean, it's pretty simple. Like the level of play just needs to be stepped up across the board, limit defensively, limit big plays. Kyle Hamilton did not have a great game. You know, he had almost no. had the interception. He it's needs tackles. to play a lot better. He needs to play like he did against Florida State. Um, yeah, tackling, it's just, you know. I mean, if he's going to – I mean, it's not only for Notre Dame. Like, if he's going to remain a top-five pick, he's got to show that he can make a tackle in the open field. Yeah. Every time. And, do the, Every and, time. and he's got to be special week in and week out. Like, yeah. I, I hope he gets it. I, I, he deserves to be top-five pick, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I know uh, – he's kind of a known quantity for us, but for other people, like, he got to – not you gotta gotta have interceptions gotta be leading the secondary tackles gotta be elite every week uh, and he can be just he just needs to do that did we mention i think we did the pretty running back is out uh, yeah the their their leading carrier horvath Xander. is Xander. Xander yeah. um Xander i think i don't know the answer to it but i just obviously i'm extremely intrigued to see how they handle the quarterback situation yeah and just to see yeah. what's going on there I think we're going to see something similar to what we saw from Toledo last week. Um, mm-hmm. Just, I think we're going to see a little a mix and match of, of both guys. Plummer threw four touchdowns last week, but they also played UConn. So yeah, take that I mean, take 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 that with a, with a grain of salt for sure. I mean, our quarterback situation. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant Purdue. Uh, I know no. they, they've been rolling. They've been rolling two out early on too, as well. I think it'll be Plummer for the most part. But I'm sorry. Yeah, no, our, our I think. I agree with you. Uh, as far if I'm Cone, though, like the best thing you can do to keep your job is light a fire under your alignment's bus. Like get oh, them to totally. perform, and you're keeping yeah. your job the whole season. The only reason you're coming off is because they can't pass protect or run block. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So I'm interested to see how that shakes out, and it changes, I guess, a lot in the O line. Yeah, I think it's a good take. All right. So other than Notre Dame Purdue, it's probably not the marquee matchup of the weekend. I'd say a solid, but probably better than last week overall, but not great slate across the country. Mm-hmm. And then we get to see probably, I think, the first really big SEC on CBS matchup of the year. Um, that's Alabama-Florida. You know, last year, SEC championship. That was a barn burner. Did that total go over 100? It was close. It was close. I don't, I don't think, we'll, think it did. I don't think we'll see that again this year. No. I think Florida has some things they got to figure out um, as far as who they want their quarterback to be. Uh, I don't think Emory Jones is the answer down there. Uh, I think the answer is Richardson. 
but much like much like we had to make the decision that we wanted Jack Cohn to finish the football game against Toledo in the last drive, I think Emory Jones is probably at this point better prepared to play against Alabama than, than the other guy Richardson is. Um, so I think we'll probably see Emory Jones this week. Again, I guess we should also qualify this by saying we're not going to pick the games right now because we're recording early this week. It's Monday. Um, it could be wouldn't be beneficial for us, for the listeners, to to put out picks from from Monday afternoon for for Saturday games. Uh, so we'll put a graphic out later in the week. But uh, yeah, I think Emory, if Emory Jones plays, which I think he will, uh, and he'll have the lion's share of it. Um, I expect Florida's offense to fizzle a little bit. And I think Alabama rolls big in this one, even in Gainesville. I think Florida's got to get pressure on Bryce Young. Because what I saw from Miami is he can just chill back there and then find an open receiver. If you pressure him a little bit, he still hasn't had a ton of experience. I don't think Florida is anywhere near here. But, like, the only way to, I guess, make it a game is to force some mistakes from Bryce Young, which I'm not think, I don't think that will happen. But that's what Florida needs to do. Yeah, easier said than done there. Um, other games, the other marquee matchup, which we touched on a little earlier, uh, is Auburn at Penn State. Auburn travels to Happy Valley. The game's on ABC at 730. Uh, so the late, the late slate, uh, what I call the pregame slate for Saturday night. Um, Bo Nix versus Sean Clifford, you pick you pick your poison there. Uh, I think I'm willing to live and die with Sean Clifford at home because I don't like what Bo Nix does on the road. Uh, Clifford's a bomber, and I think the whiteout in, in Happy and Happy Valley would be pretty sweet. Yep, X is up. It's going to be. Uh, all yep. right, I'm going to probably take Penn State. We'll see what the number comes out as, but I think I like Penn State now. I think this Penn State football team is putting itself back yes. on the map a little bit. Yeah, and it's because Clifford does have a good amount of weapons around him. Um, admittedly, I haven't watched a second of Auburn football this year. I um, just haven't felt the need to. But I think Penn State looks much improved over last year where they didn't have an identity on offense at all. Now they know that, you know, you don't need Clifford to win you the game. You can let him make some plays. But, you know, you're not going to be relying on him. And I think them figuring that out has helped them. You know, if he's trying to be more of a game manager, I think that puts him in a much better spot. You know, obviously they'll have the atmosphere behind them. I'll, I'm probably going to ride with Sean Clifford as well. I think I, I love a, a whiteout in Happy Valley. Those are those are fun to watch. Um, yeah. And I assume Herb Street will be on the call. Uh, he's done those before, and those are awesome. Uh, who, who is Auburn's coach? It's the Boise State dude, right? What's his name? Yeah, the guy from Boise State. Uh, uh, tough environment to go. Yeah, Brian, Brian Harson. Harson. Yep. Tough environment to go into. Um, that'll be, I think, an like that'll be a fun game to watch. Hopefully, Penn State can put up some more points than they did against Wisconsin. But I, th- I think Penn State will win. I'm kind of rooting for Penn State to win. I think, um, but a big one, a big one. I don't think Auburn's that good. Like, they're over their win total was like six this year. So Vegas doesn't think they're that good. Um, I, I don't I don't think they're that good. I think Penn State's a better team. I'm with you, D. They've improved a ton from last year. Last year they just like were missing something, and it seems like they found it. Yeah. Um. All right. Other games. Well, we can go through these a little more a, a little faster. Uh, the other the only other ranked first ranked matchup on the slate is Arizona State at BYU. That's on ESPN at 10:15. Um, little kind of pseudo Pac-12 after dark action. Um, 
I like Herm Edwards. Uh, I like what Arizona State's building. BYU has been a little bigger of a surprise than people thought um, that they would be, but I think I would still uh, – I still think the Sun Devils call on the road and, and win that football game uh, with, 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 with somewhat with ease. Yeah, the scandal that came out there has not seemed to be an issue. Like the whole yeah. COVID practice type thing that they had going on um, hasn't seemed to affect them yet. And BYU is not that good, so I, I would I would be pretty confident with Arizona State in this spot. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you guys hit on it. I just don't think I think either Utah wasn't very good because I BYU just probably lost like almost too much to really be good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and then so those are the only ranked first ranked games. This one we should touch on a little bit because it's it's a bit more important to to the immediate future for Notre Dame. Uh, Cincinnati and IU this week. Uh, I think let's see when this game is. Cincinnati that game's at noon. It'll be on ESPN. The game is in Bloomington. Um, I truthfully, I, I I'm, I'm a Tom Allen fan, and I'm pretty sure you love Tom Allen as well, but. I, this is another spot. I think Cincinnati goes in and puts a puts a beat down, beat yeah. down on Indiana. They're only favored by three and a half at this point. I'd be pretty comfortable laying up almost to a touchdown. I like I like Tom Allen as a person. I yes think he has some shortfalls as an actual X's nose coach. Um, and I, going to the Cincinnati game October second, I would love for Cincinnati to just roll them and then set up a big matchup in South Bend. Not roll, but I, 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 wanted, kinda, to, I wanted to put I mean, if we're rooting for an outcome here, I think Cincinnati is the better team, but I would like to see this game be close. You know, it would probably scare me a lot more if, you know, since he comes in there, rolls, gives them all the momentum. If we're stumbling again, you know, it's two teams going in different directions for that game on October 3rd. But, yeah, mm-hmm. obviously we have Wisconsin before, but – I mean, for me, honestly, it doesn't matter where Cincinnati's ranked for that game. The higher they're ranked, the more jacked up they'll be. Because if they're undefeated, it's the biggest regular season game in their program's history. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Either way, I, I just kind of want to see this be a close game. See, since you get banged up a little, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be terrible. Their second string tight end, especially him, he went to San Jose. He's kind of a douche. Um. Three more, three more games that I'm going to keep my eye on. Uh, may this may not be everybody else, but uh, Michigan State, Miami. Um, that game's in in, uh, in Miami, in Miami Gardens. Uh, right now, Miami's favored by touchdown. I think I really like Michigan State in the spot. I don't think Miami's very good. Um, they struggled with App State last week. Uh, that's kind of what I'll keep my eye on. And then from a scheduling standpoint for Notre Dame, the two other really important ones to keep an eye on. Uh, West Virginia goes to Morgantown to play West Virginia. Um, I'm sorry, Virginia Tech goes to goes to goes to Morgantown to play West Virginia. Um, Virginia Tech's up to 15 in the AP poll, uh, but uh, but West Virginia is still the early favorite. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see which way that line goes and how that game plays out. And then probably the biggest one for us, uh, Virginia North Carolina. Um, this Virginia offense looked really really good last week against uh, against Illinois. Uh, I'll be curious to see if they can do it again against a, a bit of a better opponent here uh, in North Carolina with a bit of a better defense. Uh, I'd love to see how, you know, in which direction that moves. Uh, you know, that'll be, that's an important one because those two teams show up later in the schedule as well. Yeah. I mean, it, Virginia Tech, I, like it's tough to tell. It's week two. Like, are they good? 
Like, I think they're like okay. Fifteen seems like a little high, but I do think they're one of the top twenty-five teams in the country. So that's pretty interesting. I'm in Miami right now visiting my lovely girlfriend, and it is sticky as hell. Um, so good luck to Sparty coming into this. But like Miami Gardens just seems like an awful place to play. Yeah, I, I would say that they uh, they don't get very good attendance at all. Like I mentioned that game last week. They get, <laughs> they get pretty bad. hammering those keys right now. Yeah. I'm getting pinged. <laughs> we can wrap it up. Yeah, let's uh, let's wrap it up. And since uh, as much as uh, three of us would all like for full-time jobs to be college football, uh, they are yeah, not. It's not. Yeah. So, so hopefully sometime in the future. But we can let's, let's wrap it up so, so D can, D can answer his, his superiors. Of course, yeah. Going to meet well, them in person than... for the first time tomorrow, too. So that'll be awesome. So you got to yeah, shave, too. Suck. No, I can, I, can, I can keep it. Uh, just keep clean. it clean. Just keep, keep it clean. clean. I, th- I think that'll work. All right. Well, hopefully it's better. Hopefully it's better this weekend, boys. Yep. That, yeah. That took years off my life. All right. Uh, look, look for Bishop. Look for Bishop Sycamore for out of the week on the socials, and then also um, the locks later in the week. Uh, keep participating in the locks. The comments are fun when everybody drops their locks or when they're critical of our locks. Uh, so keep doing that. Uh, we'd love yep. to love to hear some feedback. I'm sure everybody else would. Everybody else looks at it would as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. All right. Go on. It was. Go on.